Hello and welcome to Cross Street Coaching. I'm your host, Jason, from Hawthorne Union. This show is designed to be bite-sized information on personal growth, career, and leadership development, and professional coaching. This is episode two, your year in self-review. So these next episodes are going to be about my personal journey and my personal growth. And after doing the last episode, there were a lot of things that came up. Of course, I realized that I talked pretty much solely about career. And I haven't really gotten into a lot of the nitty gritty, a lot of the personal things that are under the surface. Now, this is not exclusive to to males, but I do think it is fairly common, uh, including myself, that vulnerability and being open, not something that comes necessarily easy, the first the first attempt. So uh, in effort of making sure that this is comprehensive, very valuable to me and to you, I'm going to try to break down most of my thoughts into logical chunks. And seeing that we are at the end of 2019, it only made sense to start with a yearly review rather than diving right into the hard-hitting stuff, such as vulnerability and transparency, so on and so forth. Now, a yearly review is one of the tools that I'm using to break a harsh inner critic, to break that inner dialogue. It's easy for me to automatically go ahead and start discounting all the good things and to focus on all the bad things, all the things that didn't happen. And immediately my mind jumps to, you suck, you're terrible, this is a character flaw, why would you do this, you did this again. And in order to break that inner critic, to break that voice, I try to pull back and have an objective stance. Now this is not easy, it's tough. Not only do you have to be critical, but you have to be really honest. So for my year review, I did a coaching exercise called Start, Stop, Continue. It's essentially a bread and butter exercise that we use a lot. I've been using it for self-review. This is probably the third or fourth time. And essentially what it is, it's also called a stoplight exercise. But in a nutshell, you break things down into three categories by asking yourself a series of questions. If you think of a stoplight, it's red on top, yellow in the middle, green on bottom. So you would say, you know, green, what do you want to start doing? Red, what do you need to stop doing that you're, or, that you're doing today? Then lastly, the yellow light, which is continue, what are the things that are working that you want more of? So in this format, what I've done is breaking, broken things down into logical fragments. And then inside of those, I come up with just two or three things to kind of summarize what my main points are. I think it's rather easy in any kind of review to make things overly complicated. It's actually more difficult to make them simple, which is why I try to break them, boil them down to two or three things. Of course, there's no way it's going to, in this format, it's going to completely capture everything that's transpired in 365 days. But the idea 
is to boil it down to the essentials so that you can start setting yourself up for success in ne- next year in 2020. And the same thing for me is that last episode, I talked a lot about my goals for 2020. And you can't really know your specific formula for success without actually going back, looking through the things, what worked, what didn't work, and what you want to get more of. So that's kind of my setup for my personal year review. Initially, I just started writing down some thoughts. This was very similar to what I talked about in the last episode, that Really, 2019 challenged me in a way that I didn't think was going to happen. I kept thinking I was going to have more time than I actually did. And that uh, one of the things that I find, me personally, that I've been doing in the last few years is setting up these kind of gates. That things would be rectified whenever I catch up. That things would be fixed whenever I get back on, quote, quote, back on track. And it's always this far off distance that things are going to be better instead of really focusing on the present. So for example, my daughter was born in March and I was able to take paternity leave. Well, I thought that with, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a a month, four weeks off of work that I was going to be able to catch up and do a lot of things. But in reality, That was a lot of bonding time, a lot of time adjusting to our new routine. And so I had to change the way that I managed my time. I may have wanted to get a lot of things done during my paternity leave, but in reality, being present with and supporting my wife and supporting my daughter and getting to know our new routine required a different skill set. But I didn't evolve with that acceptance of the way I was going to have to spend my time. And I didn't change the tools that I was using in order to get there. So after kind of writing out all the things that I talked about in the last episode, I started to try to whittle it down to the three things that I really think took me off track. So I came up with three of them. The first one is putting things off and delaying. So even when I went back to work after my daughter was born, I kept thinking that I was going to feel better about work, feel better at how I was going to manage my time um, just once I got back into the swing of things. And then it was going to be, well, once our routine is established. And then once our routine was established, then I had focused on my health. Right. Once I'm back in shape, then I'll feel good. And then after that kind of stumbled, then it was once I'm done with travel, once I'm on vacation, so on and so forth. So one of that trap, that idea that things keep getting put off until later is one of the things that I felt really took me off track. The second thing was emotional investment in the outcomes of hitting the goals not clearly committed to. So I don't know if, if, If you all have trouble with this, but I sometimes don't put very specific goals or specific parameters on myself. I'm usually not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I'm usually, you know, I'm saying, hey, if those are things you want to do, you just start, you just start doing it. 
instead of waiting for an arbitrary date. But one of the things that we do in coaching is that's always some low-hanging fruit, which is making very, very specific goals, talking about process. And of course, as a coach, um, I never committed to doing very, very specific things, more ominous, right? We're go- I'm going to be better for my family, more emotional health, but I haven't really do- dove down into what that is. The last thing is that your tools are only as as good as they are used consistently. So I'm a big fan of technology. I love apps. I love all the technical uh, self-help books, Audible, uh, bullet journaling, different systems. I'm actually going to read a quote from the GTD Getting Things Done system. I really like bullet journaling. But one of the things when I was doing my year review is that I'm looking back and I realize that I haven't used it as consistently. So it's hard for me to use my bullet journal, my document, as a record because I will use it for three weeks and then fall off. The same thing with maybe dieting, right? A diet is only as good as you can consistently stick to it. So if you eat healthy for two, three weeks, and then you're like, oh man, I'm tired of eating salad and chicken breast and broccoli, then you start getting a little loosey-goosey. That's when things start falling apart. And the same thing with anything such as, for me, meditation. Uh, Meditation works when I do it on a regular basis, not just when I'm like, man, I really need to get my head together. I really need to get clear. And then I start meditating for maybe a week and then slowly things start unraveling. So the start, stop, continue exercise. After those three things, I said, okay, what is it that I want to start doing? This is what I wrote down is making solid commitments to myself. Being clear in what you want and what it will take to get there. And then creating external accountability. So this is an extension of both the second and third things that I distilled from the year, which is I need to start making very clear goals. As a coach, you are helping people be very clear because when you start going through things, and you start verbally processing, it's not always an A to B to C. Usually your mind starts zigzagging around. In order to get clarity as a coach, one of the techniques you use is to help people be very specific about what it is they want and if what they're talking about fits in with that goal. I need to do the same thing for myself. So if you have a very clear goal, then there's a little bit of accountability on the line. The other part is that I'm a social person. I make commitments to people that are traditionally, last year in review, they were people that were out of state that I contacted by phone, not people that I had to see on a regular basis because my personal drive, and I'd love to talk about this on a future episode on how I use accountability is by being an obliger. That means that I love doing things for other people. And it's hard for me to do things for myself. So creating external accountability with people that I have to see on a regular basis is going to help ensure that I have proper support to make these things happen. And if it comes from a phone call or a text message, something that I can ignore, then I can fall into the same traps as last year. So at the end of each of these start, stop, continue, I have a couple questions that I've 
been asking myself to make sure that I'm capturing what I actually need to do. The first question is, why are these things important to me? So making solid commitments and being able to accomplish them is what I'm hoping for will start to reinstill a little bit of mental toughness, grit, a little bit of confidence in my abilities. And also, once I set more concrete goals, I'm a little bit more on the hook. Um, If I'm a little bit more on the hook, I'm more likely to make it happen. So that goes to my second question. What will it take to make it happen? In order to make solid commitments, I'm going to have to be really super clear on what I need. In order to be super clear, I'm going to have to decide. I can't do everything, right? We're only human. So what is it that I'm going to want to focus my time on? What is it that I'm going to want to actually commit to? I have probably in my head 10 or 20 goals, but if I commit to everything, it's most likely that it won't happen. But if I really buckle down and focus on a few things, it's much more efficient and it's much more likely that I can do two or three things with excellence than I can being mediocre at about 20 things. So stop the red light. And yes, I do know that when I explain the order, it's a little bit reversed. It's right, it's red, green, red, yellow. But I digress. So what is it that I need to stop doing? One of them is waiting for opportunities to present itself. Then reverse engineer into plans. Great example. In 2019, knowing that we were going to spend a lot of money on a pregnancy, we were going to have a couple family trips that were going on, we knew we had to decrease some of our debt. And I listened to a another episode of a podcast on Teachable about a financial advisor that makes her money by traveling and doing day swing trading. And she makes it so easy. She makes it seem so easy that she could travel the world and do swing and day trading. And I really wanted to take her class. Well, it's a very significant expense. It's $2,000. And for some reason, I was trying to mentally convince myself and my partner that, oh, the $2,000 class is a good investment because it'll help us reduce our debt. And what I started doing is mentally walking back on the reason why, well, if I actually was bringing more passive income in, then we would get out of debt faster. And that $2,000 is an expense and so on and so forth that goes down the rabbit hole. And I did the same thing professionally as well, which was just waiting for these opportunities to present itself and then make it seem like that was part of the plan all along. And that's something that's not going to help me out. If I have very, very clear, concrete goals that I've started doing, I will be able to decide what fits into the plan and what I can modify and what I need to drop. The second thing I need to stop is confusing mistakes and lessons to learn with character flaws. So for those of you that have that harsh inner critic, that negative voice, it's really easy to start saying when you make a mistake, you suck, you're terrible, you'll always do this. One, the reason why your mind does that is to relieve the pressure. If you truly do suck, quote unquote, then there's nothing you can do, right? You're just automatically going to be terrible. You're already set up for failure. 
So it's mentally a logical way that your mind starts trying to process and accept the outcome. It reduces your amount of pain by putting a logic to it. The second thing is that it's difficult. It takes a little bit more work to recognize your character flaws and then do something about it. Right? That takes a lot more insight. It takes a lot more intentionality. So being able to process those things as mistakes, as learning lessons, will be a lot more valuable for me. One, it's going to relieve a lot of stress because then I won't always have to go five rounds mentally inside my head. And two, I'm going to be able to start distilling and pulling things out from as they're happening in real time and process them a lot better. Lastly, the last thing I need to stop is using escapism as a consistent means to cope. So similar to how I was talking earlier about vulnerability, one of the things that, that I like to do is I, I love having a cocktail after work. And if I've been significantly stressed, it's really easy to turn that single drink into two or three and then just binge out and watch Netflix. Again, for the same reasons why that negative mindset is relieving pressure, escapism, right? Having a cocktail or two, binge watching Netflix, your mind knows that if it can be distracted, it will relieve the stress. That's why escapism works so well. That's why Netflix, YouTube, social media, whatever it is, those quick instant fixes are very lucrative to your brain. So why are these things important? Uh, again, they are current pain points, especially escapism. I love me some Netflix, but too much Netflix is not going to help me achieve my goals, is not going to help me achieve peak mental health in 2020. And again, if I'm falling into current traps, recognizing those, addressing them, acknowledging them, Moving on, trying to build them back into the plan is another way to set myself up for success and a way to set yourself up for success as well. So lastly, uh, what will it take to make things happen? Well, if I'm going to no longer use escapism, I'm going to have to replace it with something healthy. For me personally, it's probably going to be a routine, a schedule. For those of you that aren't as strict planners, you will probably have to come up with a healthy habit to replace it. We won't dive into habits on this episode. Again, that's another topic I'd love to address as well. Right now, it's, this is a little bit more conceptual. Or you need a process to replace that instant gratification. Whether it's phoning a friend, a healthy habit in replacement, whatever it is. So lastly, continue. What are the things that are working well, that worked well for me this year, that I want to keep getting more of? Working on communication with others that are close. So this is specifically for at my professional life, with my coworkers, with my boss, um, in my personal life. This is going to be with my partner, with my wife, with my my kids, and then with my friends, right? Rather than hiding behind support by constantly asking about them, making sure that I'm also telling them about my plans, utilizing that support and making sure it's a two-way street, not just hiding behind 
my coaching methods or my interest in their day so I don't have to talk about my own because then I'm going to be a lot more successful when I have that support structure. And that requires me to communicate a little bit better, not just vent, but both talk about the good things and the bad things and communicate on a regular basis. I'm going to continue to challenge myself in difficult ways that are possible. I think it's really healthy to have at least one or two difficult challenges that you aren't going to immediately fulfill, that it's okay to have something that's tough. In fact, it builds strength. I think it builds character. And those are some of the things that I want to build that resilience inside of myself. So having something that is not easy for me to do helps build that muscle. And lastly, keep reflecting and committing to my own personal well-being. This podcast is part of it. All the goals and things that I'm going to set up, those are all commitments that I'm keeping to myself, getting even this started, not waiting. That's a part of it. So I need to keep going with that mentality. So one of the things that I heard on the Tim Ferriss podcast was about um, yearly reviews from David Allen. So I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He's the author of Getting Things Done which was a very, very popular analog method of productivity. And one of the things when he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast, he talks about the fact that the amount of technology and software and applications have increased, but actual productivity has decreased. And one of the points that he made was that most people don't have time for any sort of critical thinking or yearly review. And After teaching some leadership development, a coworker gave me his book, which is called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. This is the all-new updated edition. I think it's like a 2015 or 2016 that now talks about in a uh, social media world how to apply these tactics. And I wanted to read one passage before we close out for today on what David Allen says about reflection which has kind of inspired me to do my yearly review. So this is from chapter eight, reflecting, keeping it all fresh and functional. He says, over the years, I've discovered through my own experience, as well as being intimately involved with scores of other people in their day-to-day worlds, that getting ultimately grounded and in control of the mundane aspects of life produces a rich field of natural inspiration about our high-level stuff. It's because of our deep drives and inclinations that we have embroiled ourselves in the complexities and commitments that often create confusion and a sense of being overwhelmed. You felt a profound need to have children. Now you've got them. And each one is a major business to manage for at least two decades. You felt impelled to be creative and produce recognized and monetized value in the world, so you've built a business or committed to a lofty professional career, and now you're buried in many more things than you feel you can handle. More goals may not be necessary for you now. You need comfort with the ones you've already put in motion, and the confidence that you can execute elegantly on any new ones. We can always use a refreshed view of our vision, values, and objectives, indeed. But in my experience, you'll resist that conversation with yourself if you don't think you're handling the world you've already created very for yourself very well. 
How long does it take to change a goal or a picture of what you want? Not much time, if any. How long will it take you to feel confident that you can deliver yourself the outcomes you commit to? Again, that was from David Allen, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. So I really, really resonated with that, which is that time that we take out for ourselves is something that is always optional. It does not feel urgent. You rarely feel you have time for it, but it is so, so, so important. The mindset and the setup it gives you to be more successful is so essential to having that formula for success in your upcoming goals or for me personally in that upcoming year. It always seems like it's going to take a long time, but in reality, I think maybe I spent maybe 30, maybe 20 minutes writing all these things out, truly thinking deeply about them, and I already filled out a couple pages. Um, It's not always the most attractive process, but this to me is the start of how I'm going to be successful for next year. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. Yeah, leave it there. I would love to hear if you are doing a yearly review, please do reach out and let me know. Until next time, this is Cross Street Coaching. Thanks for tuning in. For more information on Hawthorne Union, you can go to www.hawthorneunion.com or reach us at info at hawthorneunion.com. 